Hello and welcome to Questonia, the podcast that Estonia is not ready for, allegedly. Um, I'm S. Garlic and I'm joined as ever by Maris Hellrand. Now, um, in Estonia, there is a cultural uh, phenomenon that I've noticed where uh, sometimes your very best friends will... Uh, will will go away for the winter and then uh, will return suddenly with a Facebook message saying hi how are you doing uh, um, on the uh, first coming of spring now we've actually predated the first coming of spring by several weeks because there's still snow on the ground and it's still below freezing but uh, Think of us like that friend who comes back unannounced uh, into your midst anyway. Um, Maris, uh, where does this podcast find you and how are you doing? Yes, it finds me in humour. After a long break, I've missed the place badly and uh, it's a lovely snowy day. It's actually rare that it snows here like that, but it's quite soft snow falling from the sky. Well, that's that's fantastic, and uh, I, I I imagine that uh, while you've been there, you've been catching up on some work for various things. But uh, have you been working on Hiulet, your local newspaper, there as well? I haven't actually, and I'm glad that I don't have to a lot because uh, Hiulet is doing great. <laughs> we have uh, had a reshuffle of the of the team of the editor-in-chief and some new people um, have joined the team and uh, um, they are all really enthusiastic. They've worked and they've done a fantastic job on the pre-election coverage um, and really um, um, fulfilling the ambition to be a community paper and to reach everyone and make sure that nobody feels excluded because it's a small community, small island, and as a local paper, you have to be everywhere. And also there is, uh, we managed to get a proper online presence uh, ahead of a very optimistic schedule. So um, I think this is going well and uh, uh, we uh, need to interfere less and less, which is great. That's excellent. Uh, re- really glad to hear that. And um, yeah, um, a a lot's been going on nationally. So uh, let's get to it. So um, as I'm sure everybody who's listening to this knows, uh, there was a parliamentary Rigikogu election uh, last weekend as we're recording um, for um, for 2023. And um there, there were doom-mongering predictions. In the end, it turned into a uh, convincing win for uh, the uh, or a, a convincing um, largest party win for the Reform Party and Kaya Kalas. Um, again, incumbency turns out to be very important in uh, national elections, but. The predictions this time were that there would be a protest vote out and that uh, that would uh, potentially make ECRA, the far-right party, stronger. So um, why did that turn out not to be the case? Well, yes, um, um, we have um, also used the term of a liberal landslide, actually, at this election. The expectation of of a protest vote turning out was very much fed by... uh, the polling that was all over the place and that is another separate issue to discuss why why were the polls so far apart and why was were they no, not really 
predicting the outcome. And um, in the end, I guess uh, uh, the, the polls that showed ECRA's success were perhaps deciding to bring out the liberal vote because the, these are the, the people who tend to um, be too comfortable and stay home uh, when it um, when it uh, when it matters. So this time um, they turned out, and uh, the 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 voter numbers were highest ever because of the uh, inclusion of um, Estonians living abroad in the voter lists. The total participation rate was the same like as last year, but the total number actually exceeded that by um, several uh, uh, tens of thousands. Uh, why uh, why this didn't happen? I mean, uh, why the protest vote didn't didn't succeed is that uh, overall Estonians rallied behind the flag. I mean, the security situation is uh, more serious than it has ever been since uh, the last thirty years, and uh, that was uh, my impression both from campaigning as well as doing. Uh, stories of coverage that people were really really worried about the security situation and it felt existential to um, keep the continuity there and to keep Kaya Kallas as a prime minister due to her very very clear stance and her position in the inter on the international arena as a vocal supporter of Ukraine with very, very clear messages who has put Estonia more uh, in the limelight internationally than we've enjoyed for a long time. Yes, and uh, I, I think there was definitely an underestimation on the part of ECRA's strategists as to quite how strong the national support remained for Ukraine. Um, admittedly, I think much of that national support is, as you said, because things feel existential for Estonia and uh, people are aware that if Ukraine falls, then Estonia is one of the states that may be next uh, for Russian aggression. But um, it, it was it was interesting just how much that seems to influence the vote. Uh, the, the thing that uh, surprised me was that uh, when when we look at uh, previous, obviously less severe than this crises in in the great scheme of things, um, generally there is a huge level of public awareness for about two or three months, and then people get tired and they start talking about fuel bills, and they start, to, in this case, and they start talking about cost of living and why can't we help people at home, as is happening in uh, the United States at the moment. Um, were, were you at all surprised by how engaged many of the Estonian voters, at least based by their based on their intent intentions, seems to be on the Ukraine crisis? still um actually not i think ecra really underestimated uh, this gravely coming from some sort of international playbooks because if you if we only consider uh, the amazing uh, solidarity that estonians on every single level grassroots level have shown to um, ukrainian refugees i mean uh, this this kind of uh, uh, generosity and kindness uh, t 
tells something that it's not business as usual, that it's not us versus them for such a big majority of people. So to go in there and uh, say these horrible things about Ukraine, Ukrainian refugees, where people have a vast amount, a vast feeling of compassion and helplessness and, uh, and want to do everything they can to help these people and to help Ukraine to keep our own freedom. To go in at that time and talk about Ukrainian prostitutes being um, uh, actually uh, Russians, bringing in sexually transmitted diseases and whatnot. It's just so inhumane. And I think this was, uh, this was really too much for the voters. But um, at the same time, of course, uh, we have to bear in mind that ECRA voters are sort of thrown into one uh, bucket, a bit like the, the Russians in Estonia. And uh, my impression from the fieldwork is that there are many different buckets, many different issues that bring these people to vote for them. I mean, they still uh, reached 16 plus percent of the vote. So it's not uh, a small fraction that we can easily neglect. But there were clearly voters who went in for the whole anti-vax uh, and uh, freedom um, issues. There were people who, who vote constantly and continuously for the anti-LGBT stance. And uh, then there are others who are more sort of movable. And then there are people who just like their their style. I mean, my most uh, uh, sort of bluffing uh, experience was uh, uh, talking to a young voter who's um, who ha who was really uh, sad that she couldn't uh, convince her grandma to not to vote for ECRA, um, and the grandma had said, "Oh well, but they were helping people during the Corona." So she and her friends and girlfriends all voted for ECRA. Afterwards, when they lost and the new government um, is, in, is to be formed, the grandma was not distressed or, uh, or angry at all. She said, oh, all right, yeah, this outcome is fine with me. So uh, not everyone of the 16 plus percent is uh, passionate about all of their issues. And uh, you mentioned sixteen plus percent. That's actually um, th there. There was there was only really a fraction of of, of a percentage swing. If I look at the uh, uh, results, then uh, um, the, the the swing for ECRA was um, one. Uh, ah, so um, they they lost one point seven one percentage points uh, based on the previous parliamentary election, ECRA, and so. That that leads me to um, suspect that maybe the the ECRA vote that we saw, so that that uh, that sixteen to seventeen percent, is um, is the far right vote, and uh, maybe maybe what they've found is is that it has reached reached a peak. Um, is is that a reasonable assertion to make at this stage, uh, or um, are, are there more supporters they can find with without uh, with without becoming the more normal party that they seem not to want to? I think I, I mean I would say that's the peak because what we also have to put into this equation is the ones the two parties that. Uh, were the biggest losers of this election, and they were the, they lost to a great deal also because they had joined the ECRA coalition, that Centre Party and Isama, 
Isama lost one third of its seats. And it was clearly, uh, there were some other reasons, of course, but uh, the, their uh, readiness to go into coalition with Ekra was very clear. And that's something that people really didn't uh, forgive them for from the next, last time. And the same for Centre Party, at least Estonian voters of the Centre Party abandoned abandoned their party because uh, because of this uh, option. So there was a strong anti-ECRA vote in, um, in the case of the, those um, two. Yeah, and, and it shows to me that actually voters' memories are not quite as short as maybe I had credited them as being, because, um, I, I mean, the 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 um, the Eka government, as we as, as as we call it, um, was was a disaster in many ways. Um, Martin Helmer was a disastrous finance minister. We had the Lewis Free scandal. We had Yuri Ratas and the Centre Party in the Porto Franco scandal. Uh, that there was the um, constant uh, myopic obsession with having a um, referendum over whether marriage should be a, between a man and a woman or not um, it, at, at a time when um, Estonia had one of the highest death rates in Europe for COVID and I, I, I think people will take a long time to forget that and get over that. And mostly actually all, all these insults and, uh, and injuries towards our uh, our um, allies. I mean, that's something that really um, uh, is hard to forget, especially during a time of a very uh, severe security crisis. You don't want to have people in the limelight who uh, who would then go around and uh, call uh, the Finnish prime minister names or the U.S. Uh, president names. So that's that's uh, just um, too dangerous. And uh, Kaya Kalas, uh, for, for for all of her for all of her faults domestically as a prime minister, and you know I I I have uh, mentioned that at some length before. Uh, she she is uh, a fantastic international role model for the country. Uh, when she, when she goes on uh, international TV or when she speaks in the international media, uh, she paints the best possible picture of Estonia, and pe- people like her because what they see is someone who is intelligent, switched on multicultural or culturally aware at least and um, um, able to understand how Estonia fits into the world it, it feels very much like uh, the model of what we thought um, what we thought Estonian international influence might be um, maybe back in the Rivas government when e-residency came along and when everyone was optimistic about Estonia's international profile and uh, it, it's it's really quite cheering to see I sometimes uh, my critique of Kalas is that she seems to be playing for, playing to her international Twitter followers and to the people who support her unconditionally because they don't have to vote for her, but that maybe she isn't so adept at uh, going to town hall meetings in uh, Lana Viruma or wherever. But uh, I, I think that uh, in some ways this result shows that what people want is a strong international presence. Yes, I'm absolutely sure. I mean, Estonians always worry about what other people think of us. So if we have someone like that uh, on the international stage representing us, I think we can really uh, feel um, very uh, happy and satisfied about it. Because apart from being very clear and on message, she's also very likable in um, journalistic interactions. I've experienced her interviews sort of backstage. I've experienced 
that does in interviews it's like day and night <laughs> and uh journalists love her because she is um um uh, sincere she's uh straight talking no um you know no lines to take from her it's always a genuine answer and genuine story and that's actually the case with estonian media as well she never goes in and um, tells some strange things i mean she has put herself in into vulnerable positions even and pointing that out so i think that's something that people like and we like to be seen we like i think the majority of estonians like the picture she paints of us as a country abroad and this that's the that's the bottom line there and also obviously i mean this is this is uh one of the main ways to secure our our freedom and our security uh, more or less because uh, being uh, sort of a such a small country on the periphery on geopol geopolitically vulnerable position our only chance to not to be uh, forgotten is that people know about us in the first place so if someone manages to push through the ceilings i mean the, uh, look at the whole range of countries from down from north to south along this uh, border of the civilizations i mean it's it's very hard for moldova or places like that to find uh, uh find this kind of uh, voice find this um stage but we could have been moldova i mean it's uh it's not a given it's not something that uh, we we can take for granted so uh, this is a massive uh, amount of work that has to go in there and i think uh, estonians uh, on these elections showed their gratitude for that yes definitely and uh, what what we have now is the probability um is is likely to be inked in the next few days of a coalition between three liberal parties uh, Estonia hasn't had a liberal coalition since I'm hoping that you're going to tell me the year in a moment but um, the uh, new party uh, E200 SD200 uh, joins uh, ref the Reform Party and the Social Democrats in um, what uh, w what is a stunning break with uh, the sort of conservative bias of uh, the previous Rigikogu and um, it, it means that uh, because we now have a um, quote-unquote liberal or at least centrist majority um, in Rigikogu, there are plenty of um, uh, progressive legislations um, le that, that can be passed in the uh, in, in the next uh, uh, in, in the duration of this coalition. Um, Obviously, attention goes to the uh, gender-neutral cohabitation bill, which was um, which which was uh, voted in its uh, original state, but was not ratified, uh, or the ratifying acts were not passed by the uh, Tavi Rurivas government before uh, the Centre Party coalition came in in 2016. There's there's now a chance to finally, after. Uh, um, seven years get that get that through and get that uh, get that working um also uh, th there is the possibility that has been dangled i don't know how likely this is in the lifetime of this parliament for something like gay marriage which would be a excellent breakthrough for a baltic country uh, i think estonia would be the first then and uh, th there are plenty of other places such as uh, social care, such as women's rights, where potentially a progressive coalition could have an excellent impact. 
Uh, the policy of the programme of the coalition isn't quite inked yet, but uh, Marius, what do you expect from these three parties going forward? I mean, this is, of course, a historic uh, window of opportunity to get all these things done that you mentioned. And uh, these things should should get done with not much talk as soon as possible, because um, obviously the closer we get to the next election, the, the window is starting to close. It's um, by far not uh, uh, not clear for the society what this is. So it's uh, I think it, uh, the cohabitation law um, already has shifted the attitude. So the majority of Estonians favor it now after it has been passed. People have realized that uh, the sky is not falling down and, and it's fine. So you just... The, these are cases, the value-based cases, where you need your political leadership and get things done, and then the public opinion will swing in line with that. But the the window is really quite short, and it's crucial not to make a lot of fuss about it, not mm. to scream and shout about it, not to not to be too vocal in the public, not to let the other side to make this uh, uh, another battle another culture war that drags on and on just get it done get it over with much more important sort of for the uh, long term and for the voters next time it's going to be how the new coalition manages um, the whole issue of energy and green deal the this is this is actually also an, imp an important historic uh, opportunity to get things done on this line because always always there have been plenty of business interests interfering and uh and also i mean strangely enough uh, the uh the renewable energy and sustainability and climate change is a culture war issue a mm. belief issue and uh, with a with a center party it is a an issue of itaviruma and their voter base a social issue so um there's a there's a great uh window of opportunity to get things done yes and um so something something else i would add is that uh, it can philosophically be incredibly frustrating that the far right can say whatever they want as loudly as they want but if the if the left has an issue it's proud of or wants to talk about it's told to keep quiet or you might offend people it it feels it feels a little bit like uh, um uh, when countries wish to join nato they're they're always told um oh well or at least recently they were always told oh well you know be careful you might provoke russia um and obviously it should be a case where where both sides can uh can discuss their culture war issues openly i, I understand why you're saying people should people should be quiet about it but uh, it's it's a shame that that's the case isn't it yeah i'm not saying people should be quiet about it but yeah i mean you're right in a way it's um it's something that is uh that feels unfair but uh uh, in order to achieve a result, I think it's uh, it's worth uh, just to bear it in, in mind. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I mean, the uh, worst case scenario would be that, uh, for, for example, the current coalition decides to justifiably uh, take a massive swing towards uh, renewable energy and um, that uh, some wealthy donors in the fossil fuel industry get get behind the opposition and cause the collapse of said coalition. That that, that would be an example of, uh, of a worst case scenario. I'm not suggesting that that would happen, but uh, it's 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 what it's something that has happened in other forms in Estonian politics before, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. Mm. But let's hope this gets done because it's just uh, it's just uh, the right right thing to do, yeah. and it's it's existential. It's also a security issue, so <clears throat> we need to get this done. Yeah. Um, something else that uh, d- that perhaps took away support uh, from ECRA, or perhaps at least took away support from outside of their loyal base, was the article that appeared in Politico before the election. Uh, well, very well, very well researched article, which uh, in- includes includes a quote f- quote from Estonian um, uh, uh, Viljar Verbel, um, who was uh, talking about the um, alleged. Uh, um, Co- um, cooperation or mooted cooperation between Yevgeny Prigozhin, the uh, nasty piece of work who runs the Wagner Group in Russia, um, and uh, ECRA. Now, essentially, uh, the, so I, I've got the quote here. Um, the cooperation started, Weber says, because ECRA wanted to be radically against the Liberal parties and were happy to receive this very professionally prepared, prepared package. And then uh, the, the article on Politico goes on to discuss uh, how... Um, many of the ECRA talking points um, it, it, uh, prior to the uh, f- prior to that election seems to mirror Russian talking points, such as anti-EU, for example. So we could we could point to uh, some of the uh, times when Mart Helmer has stood up in the Rigikogu and um, potentially as a coincidence, but uh, his speeches have quite often been. Uh, if not copy pastes, then certainly light edits of speeches given by uh, Russian figures uh, in in the past, and it 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 has seemed that uh, Ekra has been willing, with implausible de- deniability, to give air to Russian talking points. Um, ECRA's current opposition to e-voting, which we are going to talk about uh, now, um, is something that Russia would love a losing opposition party to discuss. I'm not suggesting for one minute that uh, Vladimir Putin or Sergei Lavrov has got on the phone to Martin Helmer and told him to to promote these points. But what I am suggesting is that um, people can... People can aid and abet the enemy simply by taking on their talking points, regardless of whether there is a coordinated effort to do so or not. And uh, I think that uh, this uh, court, this this court action against e-voting, uh, which is being led by uh, conservative lawyer Paul Keres um, on behalf of ECRA, I think it's incredibly dangerous for democracy in the future because even if it loses, then we, um, it, uh, if, even if the court case is lost for them, then we've got a situation where um, a sizable minority of the voting public believes that the Estonian election system is invalid. So, I 
I feel that there has to be a coordinated effort to debunk these points, and I think the media needs to work harder as well in uh, providing supporting quotes and in providing sources that actually explain why the current system works. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, one of the one of the biggest uh, uh, validations is that for the first time, more than 50% of people e-voted. We've had this uh, e-voting option since how many years now? 20 years? 2007, I think. Almost, well, 2004 was hmm. the first uh, pilot. So nearly 20 years. And it has uh, constantly grown. People uh, basically have said, we trust this. And uh, it's not... Uh, I mean, the whole argument uh, about uh, saying that, uh, well, Russia has e-voting and Venezuela has e-voting, and why don't doesn't Germany have e-voting and so on, is uh, it's just beside the point, because the point is that Estonia has a uh, um, trusted um, identif digital identification system that these all these countries lack. I mean, in Germany or in, in the UK, you, you have to prove your identity with your water bill. And this is, uh, in in what world is that more more uh, to be trusted? But uh, you are absolutely right about, about the danger of this whole litigation for the legitimacy and the the look of legitimacy of the of the democracy of the of the democratic processes. I just wanted to uh, quickly comment on your um, uh, first issue as well about the Prigozhin papers. Mm. Um, I, I think, I mean, um, the way ECRA has handled it is to say that there's no proof that we have cooperated, so it's all just an info, info operation. But uh, that's... Uh, exactly beside the point i mean if if uh, even if there is no proof of uh, cooperation then if you if you do something that is so suitable for the worst enemy of your country <laughs> and you don't see something wrong with it then there's something wrong with you it's just mm. it's just not right that's that's the bottom line because <clears throat> years and years uh, sort of uh, the liberal side has uh, has been nagging on the center party for their <clears throat> uh, cooperation agreement with the united russia of putin and the center has uh, finally put that uh, uh, annulled it or yeah. uh, declared it uh, void after the war started uh, but uh, and uh, and clearly with the Prigozhin papers, it's it's obvious that uh, the Russian, the Kremlin establishment has has sort of selected ECRA as the the one best suited to advance their interests in Estonia. So if you fit into that category, it's it's a problem, regardless of what what else you do. If you want to be uh, working together with them, and uh, the the follow up story in Esti Bavaret by Martin Leine that went in depth into these uh, different social media groups uh, raised uh, quite many valid questions there actually so it's not uh, it's not just all unhappy coincidences 
Yes, and uh, I, I was especially glad that this story first appeared in Politico and was then picked up by the Estonian media for subsequent articles because um, my suspicion was that had had it been uh, written by an Estonian journalist and had it, had it been floated by the Estonian media first of all, it may have been taken down or it, it may not have got the traction that it has. I, I think the, the fact that it's in Politico, which, well, regardless of what you think about the political angles that Politico has taken on other issues, is an internationally respected and verifiable news source. I, I think that made a big difference to how this story spread as well. Yeah, and it was not uh, political only; it was developed involved with that. So, it's, uh, to say to call this a uh, leftist uh, conspiracy is just insane. Developed is a very conservative uh, right-wing newspaper in Germany, <laughs> mainstream though, but but a clearly conservative paper. So, there's no ideological issue um, to uh, point it out here at all. Um, by by the way, uh, just to debunk the idea that uh, um, o- o- only only a tiny number of countries use e-voting, um, which I, I I did hear from uh, somebody in the past week actually that they were suggesting that only Estonia and Venezuela use e-voting, and Venezuela isn't a proper democracy. So what do you, what makes you think Estonia is? And I I replied, well, actually, uh, Br- Brazil is the largest country in South America, and Brazil used e-voting for its last election, and you can't argue that, uh, that 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 was an unfair election, given that uh, the candidate Bolsonaro that uh, wanted to uh, uh, potentially turn the country into a military dictatorship, or at least bring back um, elements of the military government uh, um, previously, um, only got forty five percent of the vote and lost to Lula. So, um, um, I and also um, Democratic Republic of Congo uses e-voting. Namibia, um, Pakistan. Uh, Oman, Kyrgyzstan. I mean, um, the, these admittedly aren't uh, large EU nations which would uh, pr- provide the uh, justifying rubber stamp that some people seem to need. But the, the number is far more than two or three countries using 100% e-voting in, uh, or, or using e-voting in all of its elections. Yes, I think this is all just uh, trying to. I mean, this this just goes so so well in line with uh, with the Trump Trump campaign about uh, stolen elections. When you first um, scream, don't um, don't go to ma- vote, but don't vote by mail. And then when you don't receive votes by mail, you claim it's fraud. So it's it's just going into the same pattern. It's it's not. Uh, I don't see. It really worth um, going into the motivation of uh, of uh, the doubters um, in that. Yeah. Just finally on the court challenge, um, Paul Kerez, uh, obviously for all his faults, is a very clever man, and um, he has uh, highlighted the specific points which he thinks uh, um, could, could be most successful in court. Um, I don't know if he truly believes that they will win, but w- one of them is essentially that. Uh, um, the Supreme Court ruled that there must be further regulation of e-voting and that uh, it, it must not be solely run by the Estonian Electoral Commission, that there must be further oversight and that that, that there wasn't parliamentary time given to it in the last parliament. Um, can you uh, maybe help to stamp on or debunk that idea or in, in some way? Well, there was no... Um no uh, deadline set within this ruling so it's it's really a debate for uh, 
for uh, lawyers to um, discuss. And I, I don't see that happening. Uh, I don't see the, um, the the result. I mean, someone put it uh, very um, precisely. I think uh, sometimes here's here we have a lawyer who has become a PR person for a party. So um, it's more about the PR than a legis than a sincere, serious uh, legislative challenge. Um, in in short, this is obviously something of a paper legal challenge. It's designed to uh, sow the seeds for long term discontent in the electorate. But is there is there a likelihood, and then is there a chance of this uh, winning in court? And if so, what do things look like? I don't think there is, and I don't I don't think I I want to um, uh, spend nights feeling anxious about it. Okay. So one issue that we haven't touched is what happened to the center party and the voters and Stalnuhin and Ivo Peterson. I mean, yeah. this is actually an hour of truth and that this election brought along. Uh, and while uh, sort of the liberal um, side of society has sighed in relief, has has sighed in relief, we have uh, perhaps um, sort of <clears throat> pushed that issue on a sideline, but that's uh, uh, at least as important or perhaps more important in, in long term. Absolutely agree with you. Um, the Centre Party had the biggest swing against it in the election. It uh, lost uh, um, seven point two eight percentage point uh, percentage points uh, compared, uh, and also ten ten parliamentary seats compared to its uh, twenty nineteen results. Um, that was uh, I'm. I think partly a show of disapproval um, on Uni Ratas, given that uh, um, given that uh, its most popular candidates were Mikhail Kulvat and Vladimir Svet in in Tallinn, who were both incredibly popular local campaigners uh, and and also were um, city government leaders. But um, also, the results does reflect the um, swing against centre in Itaviruma now. There are many potential reasons why this might why this might have happened. Uh, one being the symbolic removal of the tank in Narva, which we've covered in a previous podcast, but th there there are many others. And um, I I actually think um, be, being in government and uh, trying to seem like a legitimate national party uh, and uh, not not taking on the uh, pro Russian uh, grievance points that they did under Edgar Savisar hurt center but uh, i i also imagine that there are other reasons for it as well and uh, it, the votes for mihal stalohin were protest votes given that he'd been kicked out of the party for um making uh, making incredibly pro russian and anti ukrainian comments um in in parliament previously uh, and in the media um the votes for ivo peterson and the uh, uh, united left party um or ivo krolov as he used to be known um were again protest votes but protest votes that have led to an incredibly dangerous situation where now this uh, this this ultra left party that um, allies very openly with Russia uh, gets 30,000 euros of state money to campaign in the future what have we got ourselves into here yeah i mean the the, the, the there are three very clear reasons why this uh, happened it's putin 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 uh, it's um it's it's uh it's been 
comfortable for the society also to have these voters who are clearly aligned with the Kremlin in their worldview, sort of mashed into the electorate of the center party because the center party has stood up for um, the interests of the Russian speaking community, um, kind of protecting the uh, curricular language of, in, of Russian schools and so on. But uh, now this was the, was the hour of truth. Both Ratas and Kulvart, for that matter, sided very clearly with Ukraine in this conflict. And uh, people openly rallied behind uh, pro-Putin anti-Ukraine candidates, something that was sort of hidden before. So this is actually, uh, I think, a shocking result because considering we've been doing this in integration efforts and quite well, it, it looked like we were doing quite well, actually, since uh, 2014, at least like uh, the efforts that went into engaging with people in Itaviruma and Narva, teaching Estonian, a lot of um, cultural activities. All that has uh, reached perhaps dozens, perhaps hundreds of people, but there are 10,000 who are happily voting for openly pro-Kremlin candidates, who people who are calling Estonian government a fascist Nazi government. And uh, this is uh, this is a more valid data than a public opinion poll that we've relied on so far so that's a that's a very very serious situation that needs to be handled delicately and a, a, a moment to consider what what shall we do i mean the voters in the parliamentary elections are estonian passport holders and that's actually that um, confirms my experience from narva and itaviruma it's not the, the color of your passport that defines your views um, predominantly. I, I mean, the, the, the one most vocal pro-Putin person I know there is an Estonian passport holder, so an Estonian voter, whereas another one who actually has a, the gray passport, the state, stateless passport, is dedicating his time in the quite elite in defense league and is, is a vocal uh, supporter of ukraine of estonia says like whoever comes across this bridge and wants to attack my country i don't care what language he speaks that's my enemy so the the color of the passport is not that what defines people's uh, worldviews in the first place but it's it's uh, it's a bundle of problems over there that we need to address. And uh, by the way, the, the biggest amount of votes that went to Stalnohin and the uh, United Left was not even in Narva, but in Kohtlajärve. So uh, the smaller towns in this region also need a lot more attention that um, they've got so far. But I don't know how to convince these people from a different uh, understanding it's also a semi-religious attitude in a way i've yeah i've 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 been through kotli i've 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 seen what it's like it's it's not a place where where hope rules and um that there, there, there have been there have been like you said attempts to uh, bring ija in into the fold to uh 
to 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 um to to bring more um Estonian public money and Estonian public support there. There's there, there are also things such as the uh, coding school in Yuchvi, for example, which uh, what seemed like an incredibly positive move when it opened, but uh, uh, of course then then Russia invaded invaded Ukraine for the second time, and um, it it felt like uh, public sentiment outside of East Estonia swung against integration efforts um, to 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 a significant extent. Um, I was having a conversation on Twitter with an Estonian this week um, who believes that integration efforts are a waste of time and that if people want to Estonianize, they will, uh, essentially. Um, I, 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 I strongly disagree with that. <laughs> I, I strongly disagree as well. I, I also think that uh, it, it's frustrating that Estonian language education, and I speak as an uh, English speaker um, in the Estonian education system who has made best efforts to speak Estonian where possible, but Estonian language education isn't happening at anything like the speed that uh, we were promised it would in twenty in 2015-16. Um, and it, it's, it's yet another thing that has gone on the back burner and uh, it, it it leads to a situation where potentially we are bringing up young people who are in the Russian media sphere. Yes, not even, uh, perhaps as the language is is not even the, the main issue here, it's still the segregation that I have uh, looked into for a few years now with a separate uh, education system. It's, uh, I mean, you can uh, go to this school uh, that teaches most subject, subjects in Russian and still be able to learn Estonian to a reasonable level. But if you don't mix with any native speaker, Estonians, Estonian families, you don't have any social connections, then it's, um, it's uh, very hard to integrate. I mean, sit, uh, sit in your own corner with all Russian speakers and uh, try to pretend to be Estonians is just not the way to go. People need to uh, interact in order to integrate. Yes, and uh, th there, there needs to be a greater outreach efforts but one of the problems and we have discussed this I think previously is that um, when when well-meaning uh, individuals from Tallinn like us uh, or people who are seen to be from Tallinn like us uh, go, go out to Narva and um, um, are part of a large volunteer initiative, um, we're, we're seen as the incomers uh, and so people gravitate towards the locals. So it, it's more how to stimulate the, the, the discussion locally as to um, how people can integrate and how to get people out of that Russian media sphere because there is Russian language media in Estonia. There, there, there is ATV Plus, for example, which is a publicly funded station which uh, provides um, twenty four seven Russian coverage. But um, it, it, it doesn't eliminate the fact that people are going to Russia. Um, some people are going to Russia for their TV and for their radio. And um, why can't why can't Estonia geoblock particularly dangerous Russian language stations uh, or websites with a dot ru ending? Uh, what's what's wrong with that from a national security point of view? Yeah, well, I mean, look how for how many years we had this discussion that we can't even uh, take the Russian channels down from the basic cable um, offer. <laughs> so it it like this was this happened one week before the war started. So we are. Um, 
adamant defenders of freedom of speech and liberal democracy. And the main argument was that here there's freedom of information. People are free to get uh, all kinds of in information, all points of view, but and make up their minds. But obviously it did not lead to the results that uh, we were hoping because you can't actually uh, put uh, really deliberate uh, highly professional propaganda on the same uh, uh, on the same level it's not a, an equal playing field i think and uh, um, you just can't help i mean i've spent time in narva where i've watched uh, the russian channels in a hotel and it's um, after a while you uh, it just uh, does something to your brain <laughs> <laughs> that you can't that you can't help it's not it's not an equal playing field but still um uh, i think estonia overall values the freedom of information too high to ban it completely mm. um i want to correct myself um as well i, I said earlier that mikhail kulvart was the most popular uh, candidate individually in the election i believe it was actually still Jana Tom, uh, who is who continues to be the centre party's representative in Ida Virumar. Um, and Ida Virumar electorally Percentage-wise, is... perhaps, but in total in total numbers, Culvert was number two after Kaya Kallas. So... Hmm. Okay. Um, but uh, um, it, yeah. it, Ida Virumar now is split between three parties for the first time. Um, it's split between the centre party has one seat, uh, reform party has one seat, and then uh, through the uh, Dehont uh, electoral system, we have a compensation seat for Ekra, uh, which uh, feels like a very strange situation, but it, 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 it does also reflect uh, the vote against the centre party. Another party that lost out in the election, which I want to talk about briefly, is Isamar, because um, Isamar, so through the 90s and 2000s, were known as the party of Mart Lahr, the the party that everyone uh, that that everyone wanted to be in um, um, because of its association with the independence with the reindependence movement. Um, they've lost that luster now, and um, to me, Herir Valdor Serdar ha has failed to um, get any kind of program that really distinguishes that party from ECRA in terms of uh, that they've generally gone for nationalistic policies that mirror ECRA but are slightly lighter um, and they they sort of became a um, nebulously family values centered party um, in inverted commas which um, seemed to stand for a sort of diet version of ECRA the sort of ECRA you'd vote for if you were the kind of person who said, I'm not racist, but... And uh, to quote uh, the leader of the Lincoln Project in America, Rick Wilson, uh, talking about uh, uh, non-Trump and non-DeSantis candidates in the Republican Party, nobody wants Diet Trump. I think nobody wants Diet Ekra either. And I think we've seen that, haven't we? Yes, we've seen exactly that. I mean, you if you, if you, are, if you are a full-fledged... Uh, racist nationalists to go for for the for the real thing um but also why i think why they lost was this uh, very um uh, uh last minute uh change of um child support system the family uh, support system that uh, where people really feel that this extensive extensive um jump of support for the third child is deeply unfair mm. and um the the strange thing is really in in sort of the 
conservative on the conservative liberal scale or values scale isama is just uh it's very very similar to ecra the only difference being that uh, the security issue so in terms of uh, uh, support for ukraine and uh being um anti anti kremlin anti putin that's that's uh, the only biggest distinction but on the economic side isama has been uh, the fant- the best return of inter- investment for its uh, supporters for the business uh, behind it because uh, all these uh, big economic reforms that isama has managed to push through uh, really are kind of uh, they they don't have a have a mandate of uh, the majority and still they have been extremely successful in pushing these things through like uh, dismantling the second pension pillar uh, and like the the latest uh, family uh, support scheme these were clearly based on the agenda of their biggest supporter of a of a banker or former loan shark and uh, um, pr- that's uh, prune sealed yes 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 and that has been um, that has been a very uh, successful deal for him even if it's not uh, sort of his uh, private business interests foremost if it's his ideology but it's one man's ideology that is very different from the original isama martlar's isama and bear in mind uh, the original isama or people who really support this kind of libertarian economic approach uh, of martlar they walked away and formed this new party parempol so that actually did remarkably well it did it fell of course below the 5% threshold, but they did uh, reach more than 2%, which means that they will get uh, state funding for the coming uh, legislative period and can build up an organization just like ST200 did at the time. Yeah. Um, Parem Polzad ran on the name recognition of uh, former state prosecutor Lovely Perling, who um, um, has a strong reputation for, um, uh, for, for for her debating skills and for, for her clarity of thought when it comes to interviews. Um, she, she did a wonderful job, and I'm, I'm not uh, for a moment um, um, denying that, but I, I personally am done with people from the uh, judicial branch of the state um, uh, moving into electoral politics. Uh, it happened with Alar Yurks uh, um, and his presidential campaign, and I have suspicions that uh, it may eventually happen with Ula Madisa when she decides to stand down as Chancellor of Justice, whenever that might be. Um, I, I just... Uh, I, I dislike the idea that uh, the country's top lawyers and uh, um, and um, um, prosecutors uh, would view that as a finishing school for politics somehow. I agree with that. And I dislike even more a full-fledged Thatcheristic approach to um, the society in the 21st century. Yes, and uh, I I felt that the swing against Isamar and the... the the lack of a seat for Parlin Polzed as well as they did suggested that that there just is relatively low mileage for that kind of economic liberalism these days. It it was 
obviously the uh, the political orthodoxy in the 90s and in the 2000s but uh, and you know Isamar introduced the flat rate of income tax which was for many years something that Estonia sold as making it unique and uh, and making it uh, making it better and fairer for for businesses but um we we've now got a situation where Isamar have nothing unique about them and they don't seem to know which way to go beyond um potentially Grabbing some from Ekra's base who are um, di- discontented with the way that party's going. I I don't I don't see any positive future for Isamar, and um, I I wonder if that's actually a shame or anything we should commiserate about. No, I think um, we should just let it go and uh, be uh, quite content with that. Absolutely, um, I. I can totally agree with you there. Uh, the Social Democrats did experience a slight negative swing, and you know, um, it, it's worth it's worth mentioning. Point of interest: you, you are a Social Democrat member, and you do serve on um, the uh, Talent City Council. I'm sure you'll reflect that uh, support for the Social Democrats is always hard to get in an election cycle, and it just didn't work out the way that Lauri Larnimetz would have hoped. Uh, he got uh, fewer than 2,000 votes in VDMDMAR, which uh, seems like a hard seat to win for a Social Democrat at the best of times. What was your take on why the Social Democrats, who are you know part of the governing coalition going forward, it seems, didn't quite, uh, didn't quite uh, benefit from that Liberal swing? Oh well, they did. <laughs> they did because the 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 question only a few weeks, perhaps a week before the elections, was if they are going to uh, make it into the parliament at all. Because traditionally, uh, uh, the polls sort of um, the the actual votes they get usually uh, perform uh, like. By two percentage below the polls, by by two uh, two seats below the polls, so it was uh, it was very much on the verge. So uh, so this time for a change, the voter turnout exceeded the expectations. So in that way, it was it was a good result. But uh, for uh, for the chairman, in, uh, personally, it was of course I think a disappointment, and uh, but not not unexpected though. Um, because uh, the the other strong candidate in this region for the party, she has a very uh, very very strong voter base there and a very good track record of getting things done. The 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 social care reform that uh, was finally uh, finalized by the outgoing government, and meaning that as of first of July, if a person needs a place in the care home his or her pension will be enough and the family doesn't have to pay extra if they can't afford. This was something that Helmut Grit had worked for for years and years and years. So she has a very good track record of a serious politician and um, obviously got uh, a thank you vote for that. And Lauri Lannemitz is not a very popular politician, that's that's for sure. That's um, like for the liberal Wink, he represents someone where the liberals have some sort of doubts about him being liberal enough uh, on all these issues like uh, gay marriage and so on. Whereas uh, his uh, very latest actions as a Minister of Interior, he has managed to push through a a change uh, for same-sex couples 
that he was not uh, making big fuss about, but uh, was working towards uh, very consciously and in a very smart way, so that the couples can um, take the same surname if they like, which was forbidden before. And I've got to say, I I was um, blown away by the number of exciting young candidates that the Social Democrats fielded across the country. Um, I, I th- th- there are a lot of rising stars on there. Um, wh- one of them was um, Annette Malatyav, who we've obviously spoken to on this podcast. But uh, um, many many people who, if they choose to continue standing for election and uh, be, being public servants, could make a big difference in the future. Absolutely, as I I was so delighted to see the campaign happened somewhere out of my bubble, out of the sight of the sort of the big outdoor uh, uh, ads and so on, and uh, still managed to uh, to uh, mobilize these people to actually go vote. That's the, usually the biggest issue that young people um, don't vote. And uh, I'm sure this time that was uh, that was what made the difference. 21 votes short of uh, being eligible for a compensation mandate in the Regio. Sadly, which is obviously sad for them, but also um, which uh, um, re- reflects that uh, I, I think um, they and many other people have a bright future. And I, I do want to uh, uh, pinpoint one younger um, um, winner in the uh, Rigikogu elections as well, who uh, is part of SC200. Uh, that is uh, Johanna Maria Lechme, um, who uh, picked up a lot of votes in uh, North Tallinn. Um, um, she is the founder of the Slava Ukraina charity, uh, which, uh, which, which is an NGO which uh, d- directs aid towards Ukraine and towards uh, t- towards people displaced by the war in Ukraine. And uh, it, it's it's just um, an excellent, I think, um, good news story to see someone like that winning a seat in Parliament. Absolutely, and another proof, really, of the of the the total dedication and solidarity of Estonians with Ukraine. It was a a very very smart move of ST two hundred to get her on the list. She did the best result of the whole party. It way way exceeded the party chairman Lauri Hussar and um, has uh, shown to be a a very, very able organiser under dire circumstances. So uh, hopefully a bright political future for her and uh, it's a big win for Estonia. Yeah, there were there were doubts about Larry Hussar when he uh, won the leadership election to succeed Christina Callas as uh, leader of SD two hundred, but he's pulled it off, and um, of of course, they, they won their first uh, uh, Rigikogu seats, but uh, they, but they but they they won they won fourteen seats, and uh, um, with with an eight point nine. 7% swing based on their uh, previous um, um, election in 2019 when they didn't win a seat. Um, obviously, they weren't expecting to win a seat in, the, in their first election um, necessarily, but they would have hoped for that. And this is obviously a uh, reflection on what local campaigning over four years can get you. But uh, what do you make of Lauri Hussar as a character and as a leader? And uh, what do you make of that party as a sort of a uh, check and balance on the Reform Party, but also as a uh, liberalising influence? Well, I, I do appreciate this liberalizing influence and I do appreciate this um, enthusiastic approach 
I think uh, in a way it's maybe a, a good thing to have someone in the government who who is not um, um, sort of frustrated by the by the by the processes that you come in mm. with fresh ideas and then it takes ages to get things done. So um, this is a good thing, but um, ideologically, I, uh, honestly, I don't see how they are different from the Reform Party. And in uh, some cases, um, um, I question the motivation of some people. As of um, Husser, um, I really do regret that uh, Christina Kallas didn't uh, win the seat. She's a brilliant thinker, a brilliant uh, mind, and has a much clearer vision ideologically also for Estonia and for her party, whereas Laurie Husser gives um, extremely vague answers. Uh, he's almost like Yuri Rata's uh, number two in the way he uh, communicates, which is surprising being a former journalist. You would think that someone is skilled to be on message. But uh, we'll see. Yes, absolutely. And um, I've Obviously, uh, SD two hundred will be will be celebrating uh, what what they what they will see as a win, and uh, what I think liberals will see as a win as well. Um, but uh, just just one further pre election issue to cover before we before we get off the uh, the result and the reasons for it. Um, I, I think quite a few people were predicting that the fallout over the uh, proposed expansion of the Nurlisipalu military training ground in South Estonia would um, would would quite badly affect reform, and particularly Hanno Pevkur, the defence minister who was proposing it, and would uh, would be something that could be easily weaponised by EGRA, um, uh, particularly um, before the election when it seemed like there was there was more of a um, um, more of a uh, shall we call it anti-Ukraine movement, which turned out not to be the case. Now, I, I think um, the case for military expansion has fairly wide support, but what doesn't is the I would call it almost a bait and switch done on homeowners in that area. Now, I've spoken to um, a homeowner who um, has has not been able to agree appropriate compensation for his home, um, and that there there are others who've been in the media to say that uh, they they've been told that contrary to what uh, Hanno Pevkur has said in consultations, um, that their home is not wanted by the state and that they will they will not be paid off, and they've been asked to uh, promote their homes on real estate portals. It, it seems like uh, regardless of the legitimate need to expand the military training ground and to and to boost Estonia's national security it seems like a, a very uncompassionate way to deal with people who some of them have been living in that area or have had summer houses in that area by the way having a summer house in Estonia is not a rich person's thing it, it seems to be a bad way to deal with them and obviously Hanna Pevkor was moved to Lana Virumar um, for the election and uh, got an excellent result up there but uh, I, I think it would have reflected very badly on him in the election had he stayed to campaign uh, down there, wouldn't it? Oh, definitely. And I mean, looking at the map post-election by by uh, the areas, Ekre did win Roma. So they, they, I mean, they probably they would have won without Nursipalo as well, but uh, they, they did win uh, 
more out of that, I'm quite sure. I went there to do a story, so I talked to a lot of uh, people affected by uh, different different ways. And uh, yes, the feelings are hurt. Um, but I think it's uh, it's a bit too early to uh, judge the compensation. The communication went wrong. That that's mm. for clear. That's very sure, and uh, that's uh, um, actually a surprising uh, mistake by by Pefkor and this and other foreign party to even start this uh, process so short time before the elections. Um, but uh, it's not the first time that the defense forces are uh, needing uh, areas. Not the first time that people are uh, asked to leave their houses. And um, always there is a way to, uh, to agree on uh, proper compensation. I think uh, this is doable. It's, it's easier with people who don't have... Uh, massively uh, who are not massively wealthy i talked to a, a person who has a house that is not being uh, uh, compensated before uh, compensated for because it's just outside the new uh, the expanded area and he's so wealthy there's no price that the government could pay that that he would uh, that would make him you know leave the place because he's just too wealthy, but for someone who can actually negotiate a uh, a price that enables them to um, start uh, start uh, life somewhere else, it would be uh, possible. So it's it's there are many shades of uh, gray there. It's not all black and white in Norseparo, and if there's a clearly stated need for that, there needs to be a way to do it in a way that people are not hurt and are not angry um as as you've been down there to uh, in, investigate this I, I i wonder if i could get your thoughts on the uh, uh, the communication which you said was off initially um because there, there is a phrase in Estonian which translates into English as let it go sour. It, it's the idea that if you have bad news to give people, you give it to them quietly at the last possible moment and you hope they don't complain. And I, I wonder if that's maybe something of what's happened here, because Pefkor initially, at least, tried to go through local elders. He tried to communicate in indirect ways. And uh, uh, when when he did finally hold a uh, town hall consultation, um, he, I, I believe the anticipation on his side was that local residents would not attend and certainly wouldn't attend in the numbers that they did. Um, there, there did seem to be a, um, the the sort of old Reform Party tendency to bury bad news here. Um, is it something that is it something that uh, you think uh, Pevko was at fault for, or do you think it was part of a coordinated effort to try and soften things? It was also because uh, things were not um, the the whole process, the whole legal process was not was not there yet. It was it was in a way it was way too early. It was not too late. It was too early. They were not able to go in with a with a proper uh, understandable proposal. So it was like uh, put it, it did put people in a 
in a very uh, uncomfortable situation that you didn't really know what was going to happen. You knew you only just got the bad news that something bad's going to happen. But what are the options? There was no um, no clear path. So uh, what I've heard, people have not really got any any offers. I mean, if you uh, on the on the um, in a in a written form, you know, this is what we offer you for your house. It's so once you have that, you can start um, talking, and mm. not even what the, what the exact process is gonna be. I think now the coalition talks have addressed this, and they have found um, sort of a legal path how to how to handle that. And uh, once this is clear, you can move forward in a rational uh, way. But it was just all a mishap. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, still, moving out towards the big picture, um, post-election, I I felt optimistic in in a way that I hadn't in a long time uh, about about the country, and uh, it, it was it was so nice to be able to view the place where I live as as be as being somewhere positive to be in. Um, it it almost felt like when you hurt your knee and you don't see the doctor about it, and you forget that you've hurt your knee, and you just think that you're grumpy. And then, then your knee pain goes away, and you realise that there's no pain anymore. And that's kind of how it feels at the moment. I know there's a long road ahead. I know this coalition might have problems in the future, and undoubtedly will. But at this point in time, it feels worth being optimistic. What say you? I absolutely agree. It was such a big relief uh, not having to uh, start to think about another... A uh, long period of uh, fighting for democracy and dealing with this very angry politicians, gaslighting uh, minorities and everyone all the time. So it's a it's a very big sigh of relief, and uh, I'm very happy for that. As the rugby coach Clive Woodward once said, uh, the the time to do the work is when is when you've won, and. I, I feel like for liberals in Estonia of whatever colour party they are, this is this is the only opportunity that we will get to organise and mobilise because um, if, if if we're constantly fighting a rearguard action when there's uh, far-right lunatics or uh, pro-Russians or whatever in the government, then um, we're, we're never going to actually have a country that we enjoy and, and, and we're never going to build that country. So... I, I really feel like um, not just uh, party political organisations, but um, NGOs and um, charities, th- th- this is the time to really do the work. Um, I, I will be volunteering as much as possible. I've been sending out emails to people, um, volunteering my services, and uh, anyone who wants to get publicly active with, with whichever good cause um, suits you, go for it because now is the time now is the time to get public funding for that and now is the time to make changes in the law as well that benefit people for a long time absolutely sure and i encourage everyone also to get active politically to make sure that we don't uh, get complacent and don't wake up to a very different world in four years time but as far as um, this uh, happy uh, period lasts for the liberals let's uh, get cracking definitely 
uh, thank you for listening to Questonia and thank you Marius for uh, taking the time on this mammoth edition uh, we will be back very soon with uh, with with more about the new coalition and uh, more about Estonian news and culture thank you very much <laughs> <laughs>